Welcome to Gospel Perspectives on World History, and I'm your host, Michael Stone. Thank you for joining us as uh, we begin looking at the secular history of the world through the lens of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. While this podcast is primarily geared towards members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, anyone who has an interest in topics of faith and history are welcome to join us. And as an important legal notice, while I do intend to center what I share as much as possible on the verified details of the historical record and on ancient and modern scripture approved by the church, I do want to stress that the views I share here do not necessarily represent official doctrine, policy, or the views of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that I take full responsibility for the content and programming of this podcast. We have officially made the full runaround of the world's more prominent, earliest civilizations. There are, of course, dozens for which we know relatively little, and likely, well, certainly from what we know from modern revelation, many other civilizations that have existed in the past, but their remains have uh, thus far eluded us. That means we will be progressing forward now, having closely looked at what we classically call the Bronze Age uh, civilizations. Uh, We're going to go ahead and uh, move on uh, towards uh, the Iron Age. Uh, beginning with the group uh, that first brought us that new metal, the Hittites, and another group which quickly entered the scene after them, leaving a legacy of cruelty and ruthlessness that still echoes in Sunday school classrooms to this day, the Assyrians. So, Although the secular historical record is uh, somewhat scant as to the origins of the Hittites, we are in luck when it comes to the scriptural record. They are mentioned over 50 times in the Bible, and in referencing Genesis chapter 10, verse 15, we learn from the Bible Dictionary that the Hittite people are actually the descendants of Heth, son of Canaan, and therefore grandson of Noah. Therefore, I feel I can authoritatively say that Canaan, at the very least, was taught the gospel at one point. There is a good chance that it may not have been taught at uh, at least in its fullness to Heth, however, as Canaan's indiscretion towards his father, an admittedly vague account recorded in Genesis chapter 9, resulted in Noah cursing Canaan as uh, pertaining to the priesthood. Now, as uh, only a small tangent here, It has been taught by past church leaders that this was a biblical justification for denying men of African descent the rights to holding the priesthood. If anyone is still confused about this issue or where our church stands in regards to race generally, I highly recommend reading the essay titled Race and the Priesthood, which I will link in the episode description, or which can be easily found through a simple search on churchofjesuschrist.org. In summary, I will highlight one passage from that essay which I will full-heartedly endorse. And I quote, Today, the church disavows the theories advanced in the past that black skin is a sign of divine disfavor or curse, or that it reflects unrighteous actions and a pre-mortal life, that mixed-race marriages are a sin, or that blacks or people of any other race or ethnicity are inferior in any way to anyone else. Church leaders today unequivocally condemn all racism, past and present, in any form. So, 
having made clear that this uh, did not in the smallest advocate or justify to the slightest degree that blacks or any other race are inferior to anyone else, we are still left with more questions than answers about what happened in Genesis chapter 9. Past seminary manuals for the Old Testament uh, from the church indicate that Canaan's offense may well have had something to do with his father's garments. This is a guess, of course, but it might explain why Canaan and his family, which I should point out included a great deal many more nations than just the inhabitants of Africa. Uh, it, it might explain why Canaan and his family were uh, precluded from having access to the priesthood. One day we will know all the answers, but for now I genuinely believe that any attempts to fill in the gaps of the scriptural or historical record, especially where we don't have all the facts, will just not yield authoritative, accurate information. So, I believe I have beaten that topic to a pulp back to the Hittites, the descendants of Heth. They originated in Anatolia, the landmass that currently makes up much of modern-day Turkey. Their name comes from a man called Hattusa, who founded a city called after his name, and it became the capital of the Hittite Empire. And it is going to get moved around from time to time, as is common in many civilizations, but that's how we get the name Hittite in uh, the first place. Originating around the 1600s BC, the Hittites started out as a people very disagreeable with each other until Hattusa united them. They did venture out and take over the old Babylonian Empire, but soon their domain shrank as civil war and rebellion disrupted the Hittite king's rule. It was not until 1420 that a new Hittite king, uh, Tadhalius I, was able to revive his empire's old glory. Eventually, he and his descendants expanded the Hittite empire to spread over much of the north of Mesopotamia, coming to rival even Egypt's strength. Now, uh, uh, what's uh, much more uh, interesting to historians is why they were so successful. Uh, one was that they had uh, developed a spoked wheel chariot that uh, paired with the idea of making this chariot work for rapid Russian rush-out melee combat and not just a vehicle for archers like other civilizations were doing. Uh, this style of chariot gave them an unparalleled edge uh, in combat. But this innovation didn't come close to the awesome power of another innovation they developed which is the knowledge of how to smelt and create iron weapons as opposed to bronze weapons. Bronze was the primary metal every other empire in the region used. And those of you who know anything about these metals can begin to quickly understand how critical this development was. Iron weapons can cut through bronze shields just as if they were a slightly thicker tin foil. Other nations, until they were able to either independently develop the same technology or somehow seize its secrets from the Hittites, were at the mercy of these iron weapons. But for all their militaristic prowess, it should be noted that the Hittites were also very uh, pragmatic. The single greatest battle of the age, known as the Battle of Kadesh, uh, fought between the Egyptians and the Hittites uh, around uh, the early 1200s was to decide who would control that entire region of the world. It is uh, generally accepted, however, that this battle, the D-Day of that age, ended 
in a draw or a narrow victory to the Hittites. Rather than try to overextend themselves, the Hittites, and fortunately the Egyptians as well, realized that there was far more that could be accomplished through cooperation and coordination than uh, through further violence. And so in what is known as the first great treaty in history, that definitely not the first treaty, but easily the first that brought such consequential stability to a region, especially between two such big players. Uh, and this is, of course, the first major treaty of this nature that we have a record for. The Hittites and the Egyptians hammered out uh, in this treaty who could have what territory and uh, which resources. To this day, this treaty's importance in our world's history is underscored by the fact that an original copy of this treaty is preserved and put on display at the United Nations headquarters in New York. And for what will hopefully not be the only time I'll mention this in this podcast, this is but one of the many examples throughout history of a quintessential, absolutely necessary trait of good leadership. And that is the ability to compromise. Compromise is the heart of good governance, regardless of whatever age of history we may find ourselves in. And we, as disciples of Christ, who have been taught to turn the cheek, to agree quickly while we are yet in the way, to forgive and forget, learning to compromise is a necessary life skill. Ask anyone who has been married for any substantial amount of time. Compromise is the only way we as individuals, as disciples of Christ, or as leaders of nations, can get anything accomplished. Unfortunately, the Hittites do eventually disappear from history. And almost entirely, actually. We can't trace out any descendants of the ancient Hittites to any modern-day people. We're not sure what causes collapse, but many other civilizations around this time also suffered a similar collapse and ruin, as epidemics, famine, and anarchy in general rocked the entire region. There were still some, of course, who were known as the Hittites, but they were a minority uh, to be found in neighboring kingdoms. The most famous of these individuals, of course, uh, is uh, Uriah, as in Uriah the Hittite, who happens to be the husband of Bathsheba. Yeah, not necessarily a happy story. Uh, anyway, when the dust does finally settle during this uh, period of falling empires around 900 BC, we come to witness the rise of a much less reasonable and rational empire than the Hittites. And that's the Assyrians. For students of the Old Testament, the Assyrians uh, should actually be a very familiar enemy to remember. They're the ones who, after all, scattered the ten tribes of Israel in the northern kingdom after those selfsame tribes had, of course, apostatized from the gospel. When they came to the southern kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah, they had largely despoiled much of Mesopotamia. They had felled the Babylonians, the Phoenicians, the Philistines, and had even driven back Egypt. This was seen as especially calamitous to Israel, 
as they had been very stubborn in seeking a, a confederation or an alliance, in other words, with Egypt to stand against Assyria. But, just as Isaiah had predicted, the Egyptians proved themselves unreliable. Thus, uh, we see that Israel would finally have to humble itself and rely on the Lord and not their former enslavers for victory. Now, students of the Bible may also be familiar with what followed when uh, King Sennacherib of Assyria sent his envoy, Rabshakeh, to get King Hezekiah to surrender. That's King Hezekiah of the southern kingdom of Israel. What many might not know is the full context of this encounter and what Rabshakeh was really doing when he was sending these blasphemous messages to the Israelites. The Assyrians, though cruel and brutal, were clever in their own sinister way. They did not invent psychological warfare by any means, but it could be argued that they may well have mastered it. The Assyrians had a practice of asking cities to surrender before they would start outright conflict. For those who would not willingly surrender, they made sure to make an example of them through gratuitous, over-the-top torture, such as what Assyrian king Asenarsipal in 875 BC recorded. Uh, describing what his forces did to one such defiant king who would not surrender. And I quote, I built a pillar over against his gate, and I flayed all the chief men, and I covered the pillar with their skins. Some I impaled upon the pillar on stakes. Many captives I burned with fire. From some I cut off their hands and their fingers, and from others I cut off their noses, their ears. Of many I put out the eyes. And I close quote there. Uh, yeah, so definitely not winning the Nobel Peace Prize of the era. The Assyrians found that by doing this to a few cities, they generally could get anyone else who had heard of uh, this happening or worse, had uh, seen witnesses uh, or people who had survived these atrocities, uh, the Assyrians could get many other cities to just opt to surrender rather than resist. So that is the kind of enemy Isaiah was telling the Israelites uh, to not worry about. Just trust in the Lord and they won't be able to harm you. Now, of course, we know that the right answer is to trust in the Lord and follow the prophet. But perhaps by understanding the historical context, we can better understand just how hard this was, uh, possibly, for the Israelites of this time. In this case, uh, after a lot of dragging of feet, they did eventually follow Isaiah's counsel. Hezekiah had led the charge in turning Israel back to the Lord, getting them to take down the groves and the idols, and even the Rabshakeh forcefully reminded them of the Assyrian track record for all the so-called gods the Assyrians had defeated in other lands, the Israelites in the end, when it mattered, stayed faithful to the Lord. And despite all the blasphemy of Sennacherib through his stooge, Rabshakeh, Sennacherib was slain by his own sons, following an angel's destruction of almost 200,000 of Sennacherib's finest troops. And so it was that Assyria which uh, we can safely say were not uh, compromisers, 
but rather some of the most radical my way or the highway types in world history. Shortly thereafter, in 612 BC, having been rocked with constant rebellion, division, and intrigue in its latter years, fell into the ash heap of history. My opinion, in this case, it's probably good riddance. And that concludes today's episode. Next time, we will pick up right where we left off as we discuss the next major power that came to dominate the region after the Assyrians, the Neo-Babylonians, and one of their most prominent rulers in both secular and religious history, Nebuchadnezzar. Also, uh, just as a reminder, if you're enjoying this podcast, uh, you can really help us out by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you know others who have enjoyed this series, please consider sharing it with them. One easy way to do that, use the link in the episode description for our show's website and share that on your Ward social media page so that other members of the church can enjoy the show as well. I would like to thank everyone who supported the launch of this podcast, including my lovely wife, my kids, and my loving brother-in-law, Spencer, for suggesting that I go through with this idea. And again, thank you all for listening and... Stay safe out there.